Let's go to Luke chapter 1. And, and today I want to continue my series and my message uh, that's just building up to what we're doing. I believe God's just getting this all in place as we get ready a week from Monday to do serve the city and serve Aleutian. I believe we're, we're growing and we'll never back up. We're understanding that the supernatural is not an event. It is what? A lifestyle. And we're getting to walk in this and operating in this. Luke chapter 1. I, I just want to continue, uh, just kind of piggyback with brand new scripture, brand new information, but as an introduction to what I was teaching you last week on the supernatural power of God. I, I, I want us to get our arms around the fact that the term supernatural is not some uh, un, unapproachable, unreachable concept. It is not isolated for a few personalities. The supernatural power of God is not something that dissipated uh, when the original apostles died. It didn't originate with them. It originates with God. It flowed through them and it flows through us. Uh, do we need the supernatural power of God today? Is that God's plan? So last week I was looking at two words. The supernatural power of God is God's design for the church. And the world we live in makes a demand on that. So let, let's look at this. Look, look some areas we didn't have time to study last week. The supernatural power of God is how God designed the church. I, I suggest that the person that designed something knows best how it should operate. Let me show you one more thing how design works. Before you design something, you already you have in mind what you want to accomplish. How many understand that? First, you have to know what you want to accomplish. If you're going to design a house, first you sit down and talk about what that house is supposed to look like. If you're going to design when, before a car was made, before the first car uh, was, was assembled, we, we tend to give Henry Ford credit for that, so let, let's just stick with that today. Before Henry Ford uh, built the first automobile, what did he do? Did he just start throwing parts together? No, he thought through what he wanted to do, he had an end result in mind. Would that be fair to say? Isn't that before you begin to design something, you have an end result in mind. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. This is what I want this mechanical invention to achieve. This is what I want it to be able to do. This is the function that I want it to have. The, the rockets you saw going up, which this great nation has been able to design. Now, there are a lot of other people trying to... I shouldn't go there. I'm, anyway, the, 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 I was going to say copyists, but I love the rest of it. So let's go here. So, so before that rocket went into the air, there was a end result. Is that correct? There was an end result. The, 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 the engineers and the scientists and the physicists sat down and said, we want to be able to break the law of gravity. We want to be able to fire a rocket with a person inside and break the law of gravity, orbit the earth, and bring it back safely. And so that was the end result. Everybody with me? So that was the end result. First, before you design something, you have to know what you want it to accomplish. So, so that's, and then you design something to fulfill that purpose, to accomplish that role. Design enables the dream to become a reality. So when God designed the church, His end result, before He ever gave us the blueprint of what the church is to be like, He already had in mind what it was to be. 
and what it was to accomplish and what we were to look like and function. The goal, he says, is to represent him on this planet, to carry on that which he began. So he designed a church with the capability of fulfilling the mission of preaching the gospel around the world. So everything about the church that God envisioned and then He designed included His supernatural power. Let's look at how it began. What was the beginning of the church? Well, the beginning of the church was the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ. He, that The Bible says He was the Lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. So it was always God's intention for there to be a church and a Savior. But how did it begin? Well, we could go here to Luke chapter 1 and say the church began, the design of the church was supernatural because God sends an angel and finds a young virgin named Mary and says, guess what? You're going to have a baby and you're still going to be a virgin. She asked a very logical question in Luke chapter 1 verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. So she said, look, we got a problem. If you're going to begin the church with the birth of a baby with a virgin, we can't do that naturally, right? I, right? We, that's not a natural event. So, so, so how is this going to happen? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And what happens then? When the Holy Spirit comes in a situation. Read, read what it happens. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, so you mean the design of the church is not natural. The very beginning of the church was not natural. It was supernatural. A virgin said, I can't have a baby. And the angel said, you're right, by yourself. There's some of you sitting here today and you're saying, I don't know if I can live the Christian life. You're right, by yourself. But that's not the design of God, because you're not alone in this. So he says, how do natural people accomplish supernatural things for God? Well, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what happened? The power, the supernatural power of God, the supernatural power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called what? The Son of God. So, so from the beginning, the church is designed to operate not in natural ability, but in the supernatural ability of God. And so Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. I would say that's supernatural. If you and I overcome sin, how do we overcome sin? Supernaturally. Not trying harder. Not getting your jaw set. Not just human ability and willpower. Are you listening to me? If you and I are going to live the life God wants us to, we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us and the power of the Most High to overshadow us. That's the design of the church. All right. Instead of the church being a place where all we do is gather together and feel sorry for one another with our problems, what if we become a real church? And instead of just getting together and being a place where we all say, I got a problem, you got a problem, we got a problem. Let's just all hug each other and have a problem together. That's not the church, but that's what a lot of people want the church to be. It's just a bunch of self-help groups not getting anywhere. Come on, don't look at me like that. It's just a bunch of groups getting together, holding hands, singing kumbaya, nothing ever changes. But the church is a place where natural people like you and me realize that we cannot change our lives by ourselves. And so we say, oh God, less of me, more of you. Jesus, be my Savior, and let the, the Holy Spirit come upon me, and the power of the Most High God will change me. 
So he lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross in our place. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. Sounds supernatural to me. What about you? And so we see the design of the church from its inception was not based on natural ability, but on the supernatural power of God. Then we go into the book of Acts, and he says, you're going to be the church now. You're going to be the body of Christ. You're going to be humanity indwelt by the power of God. Now, go represent me. And we've looked at the account. Every single chapter of the book of Acts is an account of natural people who are now born again and filled with the supernatural power of God doing far above and beyond what they could imagine. You remember Peter. Peter was one of the disciples who denied Jesus on the night he was arrested, stood at a distance and was so afraid of a little servant girl that just to prove to her he wasn't a follower of Jesus, he pulled out his old cussing language, you know, and he cussed and said, I don't know who he is. That's Peter. And then he led half the disciples, the former followers of Jesus, during that period of time. But, but, and he says, look, I quit being an, an apostle. Let's just go back being fishermen. And six of his buddies said, I'm with you on this thing, man. That Peter. See, he was a leader and didn't even know who he was. But then all of a sudden this cussing, backsliding, leading a backdoor revival guy. We read him in Acts chapter 2. The same crowd that he was afraid of, that he was hiding from, that he was denying. Now he stands up and preaches the gospel. And his first altar call, 3,000 people get saved. What happened? The Holy Spirit came upon him. And the power of the Most High overshadowed him. And regular, ordinary guys like you and I that are afraid to witness for Jesus at work sometimes. That want to roll up the carpet and hide when the culture starts saying there is no God or this is okay or that's okay. There's something about the church that if we will allow God to supernaturally empower us, we can be who we would never be by ourselves. I want you to look in First Corinthians, I mean, yeah, First Corinthians chapter 12. And so ordinary people become filled with the supernatural power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there with me. I want you to look at at the church. What happens to ordinary guys like you and like me? Let's let's look at verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12. How many have that reference in that passage? I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Watch this. Now to each one. I think you might ought to politely tap the person next to you and say, Pastor's reading about you right now. Let's go beyond that and say, God is speaking to you right now. Come on, give them a pleasant tap. If they're already sleeping on my sermon, you can tap them harder. It's okay. And, And tell them God's talking to you here. To each one. That's everybody here. Got me? Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. So to everybody that's a Christian, there's a manifestation. That means the shining through of God's presence. And it's given, and why is it given? So, so you can be a hot shot. No, for the common good. Everybody with me? To one there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, a word of wisdom. To another, a message, a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing or discerning between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to to each one. He gives them to each one. He gives them to... I got about 50% with me. He gives them to... Come on, say it. Each one, just as He determines. Wow. Did you know that's in you? Did you know in you, if you're born again believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you? Do you know residing in you is the supernatural power of God? The ability, if it's necessary, to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge... A prophetic word, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of faith, discerning of spirits, uh, 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 tongues, interpretation of tongues, that resides within your spirit. Well, Pastor, how does a regular guy, how does a regular gal like me operate in that? When, just like we read in Luke 1, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the power of the Most High overshadows you. And as God determines whomever He would like to use, whenever, wherever, whatever, God will lay His hand on you. And ordinary people like you and I are designed by God to have supernatural encounters. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. And, and, and yet it seems like nobody wants to talk about this in the church anymore. But here it is for us. That's God's design. How many are thankful God designed you not just to be natural but to be supernatural? That God designed you as something greater than your own ability. Listen, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge is not something I can do. It's when the supernatural power of God comes upon you and gives you revelation to know something you wouldn't know, to see something you wouldn't see. Do we need the supernatural gift of discernment today? You better believe it. What is discernment? Do I, I don't have time to go through all these now, but discernment, what does discernment do? That allows you to know and understand and recognize what spirit is prompting a particular action or person. Do we need that today? You better believe we need that today. See, the natural mind, the foolish mind, the natural mind, the religious mind says, well, I, I, I don't know. What's a prophet and a false prophet? What's a real miracle about? I'm just going to stay away from all of it. That's religion. Revelation says, I want everything God has. And if the enemy tries to throw a counterfeit in, the gift of discernment will operate in my life. And I'll know what is God and what's not of God. I'll know what is supernatural and what's natural. I have the ability not to be deceived. The Spirit of God will let me know. See, that's what we need. Your children need healing. Our families need wholeness. We don't need to run from the supernatural. We need to become familiar with the supernatural so we discern what's of God and what's not of God. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, since we're uh, kind of in that neighborhood. Go to the next book, 2 Corinthians 10, Corinthians 10. So you see, not only is the church by design supernatural, by design. A supernatural body of believers. So exciting. Just natural folks like you and I who left to ourselves do not have what it takes. But we're indwelt with the supernatural power of God. And God through us can do greater things than we could ever imagine. So the design of the church, see, is supernatural. 
and the demand of the battle is supernatural. How many heard what I just said? The design of the church is supernatural and the demand of the battle is supernatural. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, last week I read from Ephesians 6, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Our battle's not with flesh and blood, but spiritual, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The demand of the battle is supernatural. Look at with me in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 3. For though we live in the world... See, I want you to get this. This, this teaching on the supernatural lifestyle of the church is not just pie-in-the-sky theory. We are not people who are unaware of the demands and the realities of the world we live in. See, we get that. See what we see here. For though we live in the world, we're in this world. Whether you want to be in it or not, you're in it. How many hear what I'm saying? I mean, you, you may want to be in heaven now, but can I gotta give you a newsflash? This is not heaven. There's a real devil. And real flesh and a real world, I understand? And the guy I look at in the mirror every day is a real guy that needs Jesus. <laughs> that needs a supernatural anointing to live this life. So though we live in the world, come on, look at this. We do not wage war as the world does. See, the demand of the battle causes us to understand the supernatural is necessary. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with, see, we're engaged in something. We're not just pacifists, just whatever happens, happens. No, we, we, we are connected to the purposes of God. We are willing to stand for what His Word says and believe for His Word to come true. There are things we're praying for. I was praying for a situation early this morning. Phyllis and I were praying, and, and, and you know, I thought about a, a situation, a person I'm praying for to be healed, and in, in, in every natural sense, they're, 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 even, even the doctors are saying there's no hope. But, but today I was praying and I thought about this. I said, God, we're going to rob the grave over this thing. See, see, it's not natural. It's supernatural. We're going to rob the grave. The devil already thinks he's got this thing. And I said, in the name of Jesus, we have resurrection power. I'm going to rob the grave on this thing. I'm going to walk right up to the tomb of Lazarus and say, I'm not afraid. Get that stone out of the way. Rob that grave in the name of Jesus. Resurrect that thing in the name of Jesus. So, so you understand, we, we, listen, we are in a war. Somebody needs to fight for your family and fight for this generation and fight for America and fight for what's right. And we do it supernaturally. How many get that? See, so though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Look at this. Why? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Hallelujah. On the contrary, they have divine power. Come on, see. The demand of the battle says this is a supernatural thing. This isn't just for two or three people. This is for the body of Christ. They have divine power to do what? To demolish strongholds. Oh, man, I like that. We, look at this, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The, the, the King James, I'm trying to get this straight, every high thing that exalts itself 
against the knowledge of God. See, if something gets in our way and begins to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, we say, in the name of Jesus, I cast down. See, you can take authority. Watch this. Let me finish this. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You can control the things running through your mind through the power of God. You can stop that cycle of despair and depression. Come on. You can break out of that unforgiveness and bitterness and victim mentality and despair and gloom and or, or pride or guilt or shame or prejudice or lust or whatever it is. You have authority in Jesus Christ. Come on. Anybody with me here? The supernatural power of God to take those thoughts captive. To demolish that stronghold. And break out of this thing. So, so the supernatural power of God is the design of God for the church. It is the demand of the battle that we face. And how do we access it? So faith is the starting point. That's why I taught you that first. To the supernatural power of God. Faith is the starting point. Faith means trust. God, I'm going to believe what your word says. I've just tried to take you through this. So, so you and I must begin to make a decision. If the supernatural power of God will become a lifestyle rather than just event, an event. And we must have faith that God will do what He said. Faith that, that, that we will trust Him. That we'll believe Him. That, 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 that we know we can do. What is faith? Faith is not blind. I hear this stuff, you know, blind leap of faith and, and, and things of that nature. No, Faith is not blind optimism. It's not hoping. It's not rubbing a rabbit's foot. It's not the last resort. And what have I got to lose? No, faith is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That He defeated death, hell, and the grave. That, that He made a public spectacle of Satan and disarmed Him. Faith is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we believe God is who He says He is. And God will do what He said He would do. Faith is trusting. I've given the illustration. I used to scare my poor wife, but I just couldn't help it. When my little girls were really small, I would, I would set them and, 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 and don't call DHR. We, everything always worked on me. You know, I'm a good dad. I would put them on the refrigerator and I'd say, jump off, sweetheart. And those little girls would pile right off of that thing. I'd say, jump off, daddy will catch you. Boom, they'd jump off. She said, don't do it. I said, they're fine. We're good. Come on, jump. And you know what? They never thought to not do what I said because I'd never dropped them because I'd always done what I said. We'd play and have fun and roll around. And, you know, I, I, I let mama make them girls and I taught them how to wrestle a little bit. I mean, I, had, I didn't have any boys teach yet. So, I, you know, we, we worked it out. It worked out fine. And so why did they trust me? Why would they jump? Say, come here, let me catch you. Come on, jump, boom. Why? Because it never crossed their mind not to. So you and I need to understand that faith simply says, if I do what God says, God will do what He promised. See, trust Him. It's not some big thing you need a spiritual Ph.D. for. Just trust God. Faith is, is, is the entrance into the supernatural. What did I tell you? Faith works off the law of what? Expectation. Faith works off the law of expectation. See, and, 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 and it works together with the anointing. Faith is the entrance into the supernatural and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is what comes next that accompanies that. See, when I put my faith in God, watch this, then the anointing of the Holy Spirit is given by God 
to allow us to do the things he said. So faith has to be expected. I taught you that last week. See, if I never expect to God expect God to answer prayer, I never put a demand on that prayer. See, listen, if you haven't paid the light bill and utilities are shut off in your house, you never flip the light switch because you know it's not going to do any good. Now, the first day they came and turned it off, you may have sat there for a few minutes hoping. See the difference in hope and faith? You know you didn't pay the light bill. And you know there's no power in the house. But you're hoping. If I turn that switch enough times, who knows? Something might happen. That's how some people pray. Who knows? I mean, you never know. Couldn't hurt. Might happen. Lightning could strike. Maybe they got mixed up and turned the, right, the wrong you know, power back on over here. Who knows? You know. Huh? That's not faith. That's hoping. I hope. Who knows? Put my finger in there, turn around three times. Whatever your granny told you and try it again. That's not Jesus. But you know what? When you paid the power bill, come on, and you know everything's paid up. See, this is on the finished work of Christ. You got up this morning. You never even thought about it. You just flipped that switch and got up. See, that faith says, Pop, I got an expectation, Pop. I'm not going, da-da-da-da-da. I'm not praying, oh, please let it come on, please let it come on. I just turn it on. Why? Because you paid the bill. Everybody with me? See, faith trusts God. It's based on the finished work of Christ. When you pray, I'm not saying, come on, Jesus. Oh, come on, Lord. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Shoes for the baby. Come on, that's not what you're doing. You're not rolling dice. You're not spinning a wheel. You're not at tunica. You're not buying a scratch off. You, it, you, he, he paid it. Come on, look at me. Come on. It's Sunday morning. Let's get real. I don't know where you were yesterday. We're in church right now. Some of, this is real. He paid the bill. He paid the price. Faith hits the switch. And you don't even have to go through all that because you know He did it. Or You make a demand. You make a demand. When you make a demand, watch this. So what happens when you turn the switch on? The electricity that's there connected to your home. You made a demand. Power would come. You plug something in. You made a demand. You've got to make a demand before you ever get a supply. Right? If I don't plug it in and turn it on, I don't get any. The house is full of electricity. You're connected at the street. You're connected in the house. It works, but you have to plug it in. See, when you make a demand on the anointing, there's a supply. If you don't believe there's an anointing, if you don't believe God's who He says He is, you're not going to pray. You don't pray for the sick. You don't anoint with oil. You don't invite your neighbor. You don't do this. You do it. Why? But if you know something's there, you make a demand because the power is connected to the source. Anybody with me on this? All right. So let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. Go there with me. Let's look at... I want you to see this in, in the life of Jesus. Jesus... I want you to look at in Luke chapter 4. In Luke 3, he, he presented himself to the Father to begin his earthly ministry. He was around 30 years of age. He'd been on this planet for 30 years. Basically, out of sight. Waiting for his time. And when it was time, he presented himself. He was baptized in water by John. And as he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And, and we read here in Luke 4, 1, he was full of the Holy Spirit. So he's ready to begin his ministry. And it, it instantly, Satan 
offers three temptations to sidetrack him and shortcut him from what he had come to do. He resists those temptations. And in Luke 4.14 we read that now Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? The power of the supernatural power of God enables you to fulfill your purpose on this planet. Can I tell you, there are seasons in your life. Maybe right now you're a, a mom with little kids and you don't have any spare time. All you're doing is raising kids. Listen to me. Do you know God can anoint you for that season in your life? Do you know right now you, you, you see there's seasons and there are moments and there are going to be times that if you're faithful now and you're learning to make a deposit and you, your faith is growing and you're expecting and you're learning how to make a demand. Do you know that, that you don't, you never wait till the next season. You start being faithful in this season. You start doing what you can with what you have where you are. And, and, and if all you're doing is just taking care of a multitude of things and it's a busy season, remember, remember Remember, you're never going to step in the next season with faith until you've learned to have faith in the season you're in right now. See, and then you move to that. So, so Jesus has stepped into a new season. Everything changed because the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. And I want you to see what he does. He, he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, to the synagogue he had worshipped in. And he, verse 17 of Luke 4, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. Look at this. He found, is that up here? Can you put that? Uh, let me see. Luke 4, 17. Unrolling the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He found. See that? He intentionally, it wasn't random. That, that wasn't the reading of the day. He said, this is what I want to see. He found the place where it was written, quoting Isaiah 61. They had never, he had never quoted this. He had been there every Saturday, every Sabbath, his whole life. But now, because the power of the Holy Spirit had anointed him, this is what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Because. I want you to get this. Because. What? Why, why is he anointed him? What's going on here? What's happening here? Because he has been anointed. And what was the reason that he was anointed? Why had the Holy Spirit come? Watch this. To preach good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom for prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to understand something. In heaven, Jesus Christ, he, He's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, eternal God. John says nothing was created that He did not create. He was with the Father from the beginning. He's God. But to become our Savior, He put on human flesh and laid down His privileges and walked on this planet. So what did He do? I want you to see that when He clothed Himself in human flesh and stepped on this planet, He laid down His mantle of glory. He left it in heaven. Not His nature. Got me? But the glory and the privileges of God. So when He stepped on this earth and put on our flesh, He had laid down His mantle of glory... And so before he could fulfill the purpose that God had for him, he had to have another mantle. The mantle of glory had been left in heaven. The rights and privileges of being God. Are you with me? So what happened? The mantle of the anointing of the Holy Spirit had to be placed on his humanity if he was to fulfill his purpose. Just like you and I, there is an anointing of the Holy Spirit that God wants to clothe you with. 
to enable you to fulfill your purpose and accomplish the goals that God put you on this earth for. Do you know that God can anoint you to go to work tomorrow morning? Do you know that God can anoint you to make your marriage work? God can anoint you to raise those kids. God can anoint you to pray your prodigal sons and daughters back in the kingdom of God. God will anoint you to walk through the seasons of your life. God will anoint you and work through you and flow through your life. I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand together right now. I want you to stand. I have two goals I believe that God has given me for this church family during this season we're in right now. There are two goals that I believe God wants to fulfill in us as He's working through us and serve the city. Come on, everybody with me. I want you to hear this. Now, now what are we doing? We're going to serve the city because people need to know about Jesus. Because people need to be loved. Because they need to know the church is a kind, loving, generous extension of the mercy and the grace of God. We want to be Jesus with some skin on. Come on, how many get what I'm saying? But listen to me. But I believe God's goal for you and I in the process is twofold. That we will experience for ourselves the supernatural power of God. That we will see God begin to work through our lives. I believe that, I believe you're going to have situations where you're, you're going to pray for somebody and, and you're going to begin to get some Holy Spirit information that you weren't ever aware of. It's called a word of knowledge. And you're going to know how to pray. And there's going to be encouragement and strength and grace. All kinds of things God's going to do. So one, I believe that we're going to have a supernatural encounter with God. That we're going to begin to see the supernatural work through our lives, not as an event, but as a lifestyle. Now, the second thing I believe is that God is going to uh, awaken a culture of serving in our church. Because that's who we are. Servants of Christ. I believe that at the end of next week, that we are going to have a, a new heightened sense. And if we get this right, what a blessing. I believe at Calvary, there's going to be a brand new level of the supernatural power of God flowing personally and corporately and a brand new heart culture dna of serving serving god serving one another serving the city i I'd, I'd like to ask everybody to come stand for a moment would you do that would you come stand for a moment with me here's what i believe god wants to do right now as I, again, praying over these services and praying over these supernatural encounter moments like this, I believe that God wants to do Luke 4, and I'll read it again, in you today. And next week I want to pray over to activate your faith that God will do it through you next week. Now, you don't have to wait. God will start. He's ready. But I believe today, I want you to hear, would any of this... Describe you. You don't have to raise your hand. Would anybody say, Pastor, I need some good news today. Pastor, I need some freedom in my life today. Pastor, I've lost my way. I need to recover my spiritual sight. You with me? Pastor, I need to be set free. I've been oppressed. I need favor on my life. Would that be you today in any one of those categories? I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is here. I believe that God is blanketing us right now. Just like Jesus. Mary said to the angel, oh, how, how, 
How are you going to, how am I going to have that baby boy? He said, Mary, God's got this. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Guys, right now, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit's on us right now. Right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit's on us right now. You're standing in the, under the hand of God right now. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power of the Most High begins to change everything. If you're oppressed, I set you free in Jesus' name. If you lost your spiritual way, I declare sight in your eyes in Jesus' name. If you've been weary and burdened and you're imprisoned by a habit, by a fear, by a temptation, by an addiction, the power of God will set you free right now. But first, come on, let's invite the Holy Spirit in. Come on, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, guys, there is a blanket of anointing on you right now. You have the wing of God overshadowing you right now. According to your faith, according to your hunger, come on, I can tell you, He paid the light bill. Make a demand right now. Come on, make a demand. Not a worry, not a fear. I didn't ask you to go to work. It's been paid. I want you to make a demand right now. Make the boldest, greatest, biggest demand you've ever made in your life. And believe that God is here right now. Hallelujah. 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 Welcome, Holy Spirit. God, I pray you'd release your anointing. Begin to stir something in us today. I declare the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because He has anointed us. I release the anointing of your spirit to gather your people together today, God, and free them. I hear the Holy Spirit say there's someone standing here with a broken heart. And it's from words of a family member. And it has been fresh. It's happened in the last days. Your heart has been wounded by the words of your family. I release you in the name of Jesus from the burden of that wound. I say healing to you in Jesus' name. Release from the works of the enemy. I release you today in Jesus' name. You are not oppressed. You are not held captive by those words. I want you just to receive that right now. I, I sense that there's spiritual hunger around this altar today. You've been asking God to do something spiritually in your life. Some of you have been asking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. I declare right now that your faith is there. The release is there. It's beginning at this moment, over these next days, that anointing is going to come on your life. You need to be ready right now. You need to be ready tomorrow morning. You need to be ready tonight. You need to be ready when you're praying, when you're worshiping in your home. That is going to be released in your life. That door's open to you right now.